All right. Welcome back to What You Spinning. This is episode four. I am Dorian, as per usual. We've got Jake. Jake, how you doing? Doing good. Being chilling. Being chilling. Uh, George, welcome back. How are you doing, my friend? What's up? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Another episode, another day. Hell yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so, as we uh, assume, maybe hope that you saw last week, we each picked uh, another three albums. Uh, I think all three of us kind of really went... Like, there was a hard shift from... Not necessarily last episode, but I feel like we did a nice build up into the kind of this genre transition that we all kind of just hit on like obviously unknowingly to each other. That was actually pretty cool. I was thinking about that this morning as I was, uh, I gave everything another listen through, uh, who's do we want to start with? Doesn't matter to me. Uh, well, Jacob, do you have a preference? Um, let's talk about Georgia's Georgia's. I listened to Georgia's over two weeks time. Um, <laughs> yeah, you guys had a whole while to listen to that, huh? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm game. Uh, George, why don't you uh, remind the folks what you did? Why don't you give us a start for that one? Uh, Jazz Abroad, uh, an album with uh, Quincy Jones and Roy Haynes. Um, super cool album. Uh, like you said, it was definitely different <laughs> from like. I feel like we're quickly exploring different like genres, which is cool. Um, but uh, I kind of feel like this is an album that I've listened to, but I've never really dove really deep into it. Um, and really, like I knew about Quincy Jones, but I didn't really dive into like his other stuff. Um, and then especially Roy Haynes, like he was completely like new to me. Um, so I kind of feel like this is like a, I'm learning about this album like with you guys as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really enjoy this uh, album. Like I remember one time when I was biking home during uh, the fall, it was like a clear day. And you know, when your like, mind is like cluttered and you might be listening to something, but you're kind of not listening to it. I remember like riding my bike and I probably had like a resting bitch face. <laughs> I was just like, you know, like whatever. And uh, Pogo Stick came on, and it, like, I probably looked like a weirdo on the street, because, like, I was riding my bike, and as soon as it came on, and, like, when I, when I heard that, I was just kind of, like, I snapped out of my, all my inner thoughts, and I was kind of, like, and I looked around, and I absorbed everything that was around me, which, it was fall, yeah. the sun was coming down, and the like there was just like a golden glow over everything and the song was playing and everybody on the street was happy. There was like leaves everywhere. And I'm like, and I just had like a smile for like 15 minutes <laughs> on my way home. Uh, but I think it's just like the whole live instrumentation thing. Like you feel like a lot of emotion to that. And I feel like that's what that album does. Um, and I really, I'm actually really excited to dive into um, Roy Haynes and stuff, like um, all the older stuff, because he's worked with other artists that I didn't even know that he worked with, like Stan Getz is another artist that I'm sure you guys know the song, uh, what's it called? Um, 
it's like something the girl from Impanina or something like that. I'm sure you guys know this song if you heard it. Um, but he has a, a song or a couple songs with him and it's just like super crazy. I heard one song called, uh, I wrote it down, uh, Jai Poo. And his like solo is so crazy. Like he, he gets really fast on the, on the drums. And uh, <laughs> he sounds like this other drummer called JD Beck. Um, I'll link it to you guys later, but it's just this uh, album is something that I definitely like listening to like at night if I'm like making food or something I'll grab a drink take my time and just play this song and just kind of like ease ease up you know it's a really good wind down um album except for like pogo stick I feel like that one really gets me like <laughs> kind of pumped up but yeah what did you guys think about it Dude, I, I really liked the, the album. I had a lot of time to listen to it, and I kept coming back to it. Because, um, yeah, that first song, Pogo Stick, is, is a banger. But all the yeah. other things, they're all, <laughs> I don't know, it's so, that's what's so crazy about this album, especially for this era, because this came out, like, what, in the 50s, like 1950s? I think it was 1954. Yeah, 50s or 60s, yeah. Yeah, this was, this was, like, in a time that when this came out that it was, like, so big. Especially because it, in jazz music, it happens a lot. It's, it's it's in every genre, but in jazz music specifically, you'll see where like two artists come together, and they like collab and they do like a crazy thing. Especially in jazz, in a time where like Miles Davis, uh, Pete LaRocca, Duke Ellington, like they were all like prominently up and coming jazz artists in the fifties and sixties, like. Uh, that Quincy Jones and that they like did this album together, like it was such a good album and it was i think huge for jazz too at the time like it really paved the way for jazz music and like that collaborative album of like two jazz artists coming together and i think yeah it was great i love like there's a lot of songs on it um they're all like very jazzy but they're all very different like if you listen to one after another yeah. they're not like the same like they they have their moments where it's like a lot more trumpet and then it's a lot more uh snare and drum and like it's it has times and like different parts of the song that it's like much different than the previous ones so that's what i enjoyed about it um but yeah there's a lot of good songs on this album a lot of good songs yeah like um i forgot to bring that up yeah um all these different jazz artists like came together and i feel like it was an explosion at that era that like because you had Miles Davis, like you said, Quincy Jones played with uh, Miles Davis and looked up to Miles Davis so much. Johnny Coltrane did too. And they both played together with Miles Davis. And you can see these performances on YouTube. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I read earlier that I guess Quincy Jones, his childhood friend was uh, Ray Charles, <laughs> which is like, that's crazy, right? So I feel like all these having all this talent like around each other and just being good friends and I guess also the era that they grew up in like it was different right so yeah they just all played together and it was just an explosion of of uh, of music and like you said each song sounds like different like I take Pogo Stick and that's a really lively like song but the other song that I like Gone Again when I listen to the song, like it reminds me of like New York City at night 
and it's snowing because it's such a slow paced like dreamy type like song and you listen to that and i could i like immediately imagine that like scenario dude yeah i <clears throat> i hadn't i had heard pogo stick on this album but not the full thing um mm. so going back to listening to it i learned i listened to the album like two or three times <clears throat> um i really liked lisa that song lisa, i uh, think that's yeah. where it, i could tell the difference that it's like it's like back and forth that it, at times it's like very snary, very drummy, and then it's like very jazzy, and you hear like all the trumpets and everything going off. Um, Jones Bones is good. I like Little Leona. Also, I love Little Leona. That song also yeah. I really liked. Um, yeah, I think it's great that we see that that Quincy Jones and, and, and Roy Haynes came together and did this because. Even if you think about like that era in the 50s, like late 50s, early 50s in America, like just in that time frame where like segregation is like still kind of a thing, and it's like it, impact that it would have had like just on the community in general and the black community at the time. I think it could can't be understated like how important it was. Yeah, um, hip hop wasn't really a thing, and in, in this. Oh, no. People weren't making like rap albums. People weren't really making like rock albums as much, not black people at least. It was more kind of like um, normalized like everybody else in America. So them having like jazz music in this time really kind of brought them together and like solidified them and made like them feel that much better and that much stronger as like a community in the 50s. Cause jazz it's like free word it's like free speech without using speech it's using just pure exactly. emotion with all the instruments yeah uh, exactly yeah, i hear what you're saying dude imagine how crazy those recording sessions were yeah exactly like, they're probably pretty lit <laughs> they're probably pretty tight all the i i was looking at i was looking at like uh videos and and like interviews and stuff that they'd have and that they say that the shows that they have for like the jazz shows at that time were electric like they were like something like you had no idea like they'd do show after show every night um and like the atmosphere was just insane um so yeah i think that in this time that it was coming out in the 50s in america i think it really was a big boost and it really did bring everybody together in, in the communities Hell yeah, dude. It definitely, definitely did. And you see it now, right? I mean, look how far that has come, you know? So much so that, I mean, even jazz is now implemented on, in in rap. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I mean, I feel like it kind of, well, it didn't necessarily die down. I mean, there's different artists, but uh, producers that kind of are influenced by it, but it's something that came such a long way and it's still uh being made now i mean even um like european artists who who do like get like a drum machine but like put in all these instruments and put it together and it sounds jazzy but it's it's not live instrument instrumentation like it was before but re like pieces and recordings of it but still together it's still jazz inspired you know it is a different form of jazz now but like yeah it's it's wild yeah yeah uh i'm kind of in the same boat as jacob uh 
with, you know, I felt like I got a little bit more time to fully wrap my head around this album and the piece of work. And uh, I'm really big into like backstories and stuff about uh, musicians in general. And, you know, the album, uh, this came out in 1954 and it was actually Quincy Jones's like first, when you look up his discography, it's the first thing is this. And uh, at this point, they both Quincy Jones is, is like still performing, I guess. And he's been doing it for 80 years at this point mm. and or playing his instrument for 80 years. He's like 87 years old. And then Roy Haynes is like 93 and he's been playing drums since he was like that, like again, like 90 years ago. Like it's, it's insane that like 40 this, around there. Yeah. Like the, the fact like, yeah, you guys mentioned like this was a, big album for the time i feel like you know it really spawned a lot and the fact that it was very early in both of their careers at least as far as what i know is insanity and i love the fact that it's got this like double album kind of feel to it because it's like side one is like led by quincy jones like roy haynes isn't really drumming on it and then the second part it is roy haynes and he is drumming you can tell the difference like it, i was listening to it this morning and i was like I heard it and I was like, oh, this must be the Roy Haynes side uh, because it has a very, it's very much percussion driven and homeboy on the bass is just walking up and down the thing, which is just, uh, I think the song was, uh, what is it? I've got it right here. Uh, Jones's Bones. That's a good one. Uh, that's got a crazy, crazy drum break in it. What was that? Said Jacob mentioned that one too. Yeah, yeah. There's a crazy little drum break at the end there, and then, uh, shoot, what was the other one? That was that was a really good one, and then I really liked Little Leo, Little Leona. That one was really tight too. I think that's the one. Yeah, that was the one where he's just the bassist is just walking up and down the thing, just do 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 do, and then like these jazz beats are not easy to play like it's a very yeah. defined kind of you know way to play in a in a crazy beat and i just i love that you know you kind of mentioned it george everything sounds different on this album but at the same time it's insane how much like this album is very cohesive like it's all very well put together mm -hmm. like everything does kind of have this general feel to it but when you listen listen to it below you know it, everything is kind of happening differently there's a couple songs on it that are pretty intense in the middle of it and then it smooths out and you're like oh my like it's a trip listening to it from to from cover to cover but yeah i loved this album. i think what it is is that like like it it has this i hate using the word like vibe but it has a specific vibe but what separates all these songs that sound different is how personal they feel and you could tell also by the name of each song too. Yeah. Like Jones Bones, Lisa, you know, like, and then uh, Gone Again, which is the, I think that's the last song. Uh, correct me um, I might have to fact check that, but it is, it's a really slow. It's the second to last. Time. Second to last. Yeah. And it just like, it's just really personal. And I, I can't stress this enough that like, live instrumentation like the way like a trumpet sounds or something like it it sounds like someone's singing like it's someone's voice 
but without the words. So it's just really just down to feeling only. Um, and I think that's so important. And I think that's why jazz has such a big effect yeah. um, on people. Cause it's like spoken word without the word. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you yeah know, like, that's an interesting point and I fully back it. That's very, yeah, that's what is, I think, what drew you know because obviously jazz when it first started it was just instrumentation jazz singers weren't a thing you know Etta yeah. james and all this stuff they weren't around when jazz first came out so they had to use an instrument to you know right. portray the emotion uh, yeah. yeah to portray that like to get that emotion across and it's i love I love jazz music. I love jazz trumpet and jazz drumming, especially, which is why I loved this album so much. Because Quincy Jones, one of the more prolific, or probably like jazz trumpetists of all time, like one of probably like top ten. Roy Haynes, incredibly well-known uh, jazz drummer, and both of them just kind of directing a whole side of an album on the same release was that's incredible. That's an that is insane talent. Like Quincy Jones, after this, went on to produce the first or three of or the three biggest Michael Jackson albums. Yeah, I was about to say like he went from like playing to actually producing. Yeah, like shit. And like, he has like funky stuff too that he did before, and yeah, I think he did stuff for like TV and, and movies. Yeah, which is like, dude, you were like, <laughs> you're amazing if you yeah. reach that level. Especially at his age at that time, too. Yeah. Like, all of that uh, stuff was late. Like, crazy. like mind you, like I said, this is his first credited release uh, in his discography, at least from, you know, Wikipedia is not the best source. But it I've read through his whole article, and it makes sense. Like, it was around that time that he would have actually, you know, been on something. And then yeah. he goes from that in the 54, like 1954. I don't know how old he was. I would assume, like, early to mid-20s. And then 30-some-odd years later, like, this guy's already, like, 50, like, late 40s, 50, early 50s, and he's producing albums for Michael Jackson, which ended up being, yeah. like, the most best-selling albums, like, some of the most best-selling albums of all time. And it's like, dude, how, like he that's the crazy thing this is like why i say i love backstory because it's like if i if i would have just listened to this album i probably wouldn't have like done any research on it but because the names right here i mean that's why i feel like i kind of am learning with you guys with this album because like this is an album that i would listen to but i wouldn't dive into the backstory for this one you know but right. i am with you guys so yeah but and that's but when I heard the names, I was like, all right, this sounds familiar or like those names ring a bell, you know? And so I was like, let me look into them. And I was like, oh, that's where I know Quincy Jones from because he produced the Michael Jackson albums. I was like, I had no idea he had been around that long. And then I remember when I was in high school doing like band and drumming and stuff, I had to learn a couple jazz pieces and Roy Haynes was a name that came up pretty frequently. And, yeah. uh, pogo stick was actually like an example i went to a drum i went to a couple drum clinics in high school and this one uh that we went to was really cool it had a dude he had just a microphone and was standing it was like sitting at the drum set and he would like give like a spiel and talk about stuff and then he would like play a standard and he had a bassist with him and stuff it was really cool and he played i like he yeah. played pogo stick like and so when i heard that song i was like oh what the hell i was like i haven't heard this song since i was like 16 years old i was like but i remember yeah. that 
from that drum clinic and then so it made it made listening to it a lot cooler to me it was it was very yeah just a little nostalgic there (laughs) yeah and then rereading on everything this morning i was like oh my god like how did this happen like two of the best like respective people in their instrument in jazz music ending up on an album so early on too so early yeah that's fantastic pick george for real and i'm glad i like we mentioned in the last episode i was like man i really want to talk about this but it's almost better that i had another week to listen to it to get more appreciation and really listen <laughs> and understand what was going yeah. on because there's for such a for such a short track list there is a lot going on in it yeah i mean like quincy jones like his work is just amazing like i mean you his effect that he had on like rap too now like there's artists like uh dr dre and like kendrick that are just like they love quincy jones and you could definitely tell the inspiration with kendrick was to pimple butterfly from quincy you know and then i think like our generation maybe not so much the younger generation um uh after us but I think we all subconsciously have an appreciation for jazz, whether or not we we dive into it or not, because we grew up with cartoons that were very instrumental, like Tom and Jerry, for example. Like, yeah. dude, that, like, n- no lyrics, well, I mean, there's a couple episodes that had lyrics, but it was just all, like, reacting with live instrumentation. Yeah. And it was very jazzy all the time. And I feel like we kind of just soaked that up without yeah. even really thinking, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why we all just kind of appreciate jazz as a collective. Uh, yeah, I think we just have a respect for jazz. I think everybody has respect for jazz, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much my final thoughts on it. But. <laughs> Jacob, uh, any any last words? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> jazz is kind of that, like, acquired taste. Um, like, you exactly. can't really, not, I have met people that don't listen to jazz, and there is a couple people that don't listen to jazz. Um, but I feel like if you do like jazz, this is one of those albums and one of those artists that is, like, classic. And it's, like, something that is so, like, such a staple to jazz that, like, you have to just yeah. respect. So this album, yeah, fantastic pick. I loved it. Two weeks, got to enjoy every week of it. Like it was solid pick. It was good. Last thing I gotta say, the album cover art for the, the person. I don't know who this person was who took that photo, but dude, that's such a cool photo. Cool. It Jazz is abroad, and there's a suitcase with all the flags. Like, yeah. dude, and it's it's all instrument cases actually. They're all instrument cases. Like yeah. it's like the drum set, there's yeah, a trombone, yeah. and then yeah, it's. Man, yeah, exactly. I was gonna bring that. I <laughs> forgot to sick, bring that yeah. up, George. I was gonna. I was looking at. It I as, almost forgot it too. I was like, "Damn, that's actually that's an awesome photo." But yeah, good stuff. Uh, who's do we want to do next, and then we'll take a quick little break because I. And so, here at What You Spin, and we always have an ear to the music game. So we are gonna real quick give a brief best albums of 2021 uh just give a brief the name the artist and a brief little blurb and jacob why don't you kick us off with that my brother yeah my favorite album one of my favorite albums 2021 
um, had to be Duran Jones and the Indications. Um, Private Space. Love this album. Um, it's like their third or fourth, third, I think, studio album. Great album. Um, they have some good sing uh, great singles that came out for it, some really good features. It's like a real, like, soulful, jazzy, funky group. Um, yeah, give it a listen. It's awesome. Yeah, why? <laughs> Hell yeah. George, uh, what about you? Uh, Magic by Nas. Uh, he released this towards the end of the 2021. Uh, a lot of people were still, um, you know, talking about all the other albums of 2021, even Nas's album, uh, uh, King's Disease 2. <laughs> like he had just released that, but he released another album that same year. Uh, and easily, I think Magic is uh, better than uh, King's Disease 2 and 1. Um, Great, great album. Yeah, uh, ASAP Rocky and DJ Premier on one track with Nas, which is a, a I never thought ASAP Rocky would be in the same track as Nas or DJ Premier, and they made that happen. And its album was really good. I feel like it was easily missed uh, last year, but I'm, I'll give it some redemption <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and me personally, I went with The House is Burning by Isaiah Rashad. Uh, Go. The three of us actually went to a concert on that tour. It was my second time seeing him in concert. Uh, that was actually where I met George. And the first time I hung out with Jake outside of work. Uh, magic night. Uh, it was a movie. It was a movie. It was a fucking <laughs> movie. But uh, anywho, uh, I love Isaiah Rashad. I've loved everything he's put out. And House is Burning is, might actually be my favorite album of his. Uh, me and Jake are waiting with bated breath for physicals for us to come in. We ordered vinyl of them, of the album. Or wait, and uh, I might have to actually fist fight Jacob to see which one of us gets to talk about the album <laughs> since those physical copies come in because I have so much I can say about that album. But uh, there's some other bangers that came out in 2021 that we didn't mention that I know will come up. Boldy. But, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> those are our picks for 2021. Alrighty, welcome back to What You Spin in episode four. Uh, we are now going to jump into Jacob's pick. What do you got for us, pal? My pick. Last week. One of each of Social Club. Yes, sir. Uh, Self titled album that released in 97, I want to say. 1997. Um, it's more than anything a like collective band. Um, not really a band, but it's like a collective group of a bunch of different musicians. Um, a lot of musicians that came out um, that had their early rise um, before when this album dropped um, in Cuba, um, but that had retired and not played and not um, not had been in any band for a couple of years. Um, 
they were all reunited together by um, Ry Cooper, I want to say. Ry Cooper, yeah, Ry Cooper. Um, He went to Cuba um, for a couple years, um, played music there, came back to the States, went back to Cuba in like 96-ish, and met up with all of these artists. Um, Ibrahim Ferrer, um, Compay Segundo, Eliades Ochoa and Ruben Gonzalez and a bunch of different other um, like small artists and he like collectively brought them all together and they formed this group the Buenavista Social Club. Um, they started recording, they put out an album, um, their only album and it really was a huge commercial success like um, not only in like Cuba and all but all over the world and like especially in the United States like it was a massive hit like everybody loved it um, it won a couple Grammys they had a documentary on it the documentary won some awards like it was a huge success um, and it really is interesting like just the backstory of this group and like yeah I mean there's a lot to say but I mean have at it boys what do you guys think Oh, okay. I'll go first. Yeah. Um, I love, absolutely love this album. Uh, honestly, I think I've already added both of your guys' albums for this week to my want list for Discogs because I'm trying to, I'm trying to snag this. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to snag this on vinyl, dude, because I need, because they're so good. Uh, One of Us a Social Club. My God, dude, this album is fantastic i've always been a fan of like world latin music whatever genre you want to call it but uh it's just so incredible there's so many songs on it that i could just name uh jacob i like i was telling you guys the other day uh de camino a la barrera that song goes so, oh dude so good yeah. uh vente años incredible as well uh, as well uh, other than de camino i think my favorite song on there might be candela because it just like raises it like starts off kind of like soft and like smooth and it just builds an in intensity and then at the end they're just jamming and there's this dude on the just flamenco guitar just just going bananas and uh when i was playing guitar heavily and i switched like i played a lot of electric when i was like younger and then i started to appreciate you know more acoustic guitar playing my stepdad and i uh he was showing me a bunch of music at the time anyway and he was like you should check out flamenco style guitar and so i've always like from then on i love that stuff and these guys just go insane and there's so many different vibes like the the first three songs just go so many different places on it and it's like they really opened up with uh they really open up with just three hits right in a row you know and right off the bat yeah like you you go from chan chan which is kind of like you know very catchy vibey and then de camino is kind of the same thing but it's a little more it goes more places like there's a little bit more to it it's not just you know kind of the same thing and then el corto de tula that's like a salsa like i want to just get up and yeah 
Yeah, it's a dead, dead track for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's. It's, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like just listening to those two first the first two songs kind of sound similar and then it's just bang we can actually do it all and i'm like oh my god this is i was like i was geeking out uh when that trumpet kicks in on de camino i was i lost my mind i was driving to work on thursday and that came on and i was like oh Oh, that trumpet! I was like, that trumpet is yeah. nasty. I was like, stink face listening to a trumpet. Oh, it was, <laughs> it's that good. And it's just like that. That's when it hit. Yeah, throughout the whole album, it's like that. Uh, but yeah, what did the, uh, what did you think, George? Um, so this album is something that I grew up with because my dad would just always play this. Um, whenever we'd go somewhere. Uh, here in Oregon or like go to California, my dad would be, he would always, there was like, I could name a bunch of albums that my dad would play like constantly because he had the CDs for it and everything. But this one was one of them. And I remember at first when I heard it, I didn't want to like it. I was just like, like I want to listen to like 50 Cent right now. Like what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> you know? But then like, not even like i want to say like two three years after when my dad would play it i'd be like subconsciously i'd be like oh yeah i'm like hell yeah john john is playing (laughs) and then i realized i'm like oh i'm like i actually do really like this i'm like this is super sick like when john chata comes on i immediately think of like a sunny chill like eventful day where i'm gonna i'm doing something i'm like chilling like it almost feels like that song is like i'm on vacation type of type of deal um but i so like um el carretero chan chan and candela those three songs for some reason the intro like the first five seconds of each of those songs are they they grab you and pull you in so hard because that guitar is just so crazy yeah it's it's so catchy it's so good it pulls you in and then you hear the horns the drums the bass and it just and then uh ibrahim ferrer when he starts singing it's like oh dude forget about it like this is amazing um and so like even though this came out in 1997 like their style really was like like early 50s cuban music so another artist that my parents would play would be uh benny more which is an artist that came out in 1950 in cuba and i'll link it to you guys later but when you guys listen to this guy benny more you right away see the similarities in between him and this group that were literally decades later. Um, but like everybody in that group grew up listening to people like Benny Moret. So it was just kind of like a domino effect. And then later, thanks to, uh, what was his name? I watched the documentary, Jacob, but I forget the dude's name that went down to Cuba. Um, right Cooter. Cooper? Yeah, right Cooter. So him, and then I, I think he was his son or someone else Mm-hmm. two that was with them but 
Um, they mentioned it on that documentary, which I watched um, a while ago. I haven't watched it recently, but I need to watch it again. It's a good documentary. It's on YouTube. Um, but, like, yeah, as soon as, like, these two people, like, found them and, like, put them all together in the recording room, like, they literally just, like, set up a mic and they were singing into it. And then everything in the background, everybody playing, was recorded through that one mic. And like that's how they record. That's how they recorded that album, and that's why it sounds kind of like it almost sounds like live, like live music. Like if you go back and listen to their live version of this album, it almost sounds identical because they recorded in a room that you know on one mic, and then you listen to the live one, and you're like, oh, a little bit more spacious, but that's sounds almost the same. But like they, when these two people like found them and and. It, it was basically like an overnight success. Yeah. Type of, mm-hmm. uh, so much so that even they were allowed to leave Cuba and go tour the world. And they played in Carnegie Hall in New York, which is. So that. I would, and play there, I would have cried. Honestly, I think I would have cried, dude. Because yeah. it's just like their music is so impactful and, and uh, like, like you said, Dorian, like it. You could feel like you didn't even know the words and you could feel it. Yeah. You could feel like how, like what they're, so, um, El Cuarto de Tula is, is a dance song. Like they're just kind of like talking about dancing and like dancing and you got that right away. And, uh, Chan Chan is kind of like a love song, but it's kind of like a cool, cool love song, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, they just, man, they pull it together. Like, I think some of these songs, like Chan Chan, maybe, and like El Carretero, is something I'd probably play like at a kickback barbecue session. But I mean, I probably wouldn't listen to like Los Cardenas or something. That's more of like a love song. But yeah, like they're very, since they're like old school and like it was a group of people who are <laughs> old, um, they had such a romantic way of of displaying like their music and everything and, and their their lyrics and everything. Like it was very extremely romantic. Um, and you know when you if you guys watch that doc you well, you watched it probably, right, Jacob? Yeah, yeah. So if you watch it, Dorian, like you see these people and like even in the <laughs> even in the documentary, like they're smoking shit up big ass Cuban cigars <laughs> and they're just lounging dude like they're chilling <laughs> big chill uh, and I've seen in their music too because it's it's not even it's all just like good vibes like it's mm-hmm. like they're happy or they're singing like a love song about how much they care about someone and I could really see them as a group touring and just having no problems with each other and just yeah. chilling yeah. Just happy to be able to experience like anything and everything outside of Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just crazy. Like, you know, we, we talked about Jazz Abroad, 1950s. They had that whole thing going on. And Buena Vista Social Club was literally pulling the same influences from Cuba earlier around the 1950s. And those are two different like genres, but they're very like impactful, so much so that. Years later, Buena Vista, when they came about, they blew up instantly. Like, 
Yeah, I just I have so much love for this album. Um, but I do have a question. Uh, since you got the the record, Jacob, I know the tracklist is pretty small on the regular album here on Spotify, but and then on the CD that my dad had. But uh, they just recently released the twenty. Uh, yeah, a remaster. And they added a bunch of songs, and I'm wondering if those songs are on that uh, uh, vinyl that you have. I don't think they're on mine. I think mine's just a regular one, but they did make a 25-year uh, anniversary one that has, I think, yeah. full bonus songs and then, like, unreleased songs on there. <clears throat> but, yeah, unreleased and, uh, like, uh, not remixes, but... Uh, I forget what it, they're like different versions. I guess yeah, remix. But. Yeah. but no, yeah, man, this this album, it's what what impresses me the most is like the fact that when Ry Cooter like discovered these people and brought them all together, just like how unique they are all together, especially considering that they're all like 70, 80, 90 years old. Like, there's 70, 80-year-olds yeah. that are, like, still making music and that even got to a point that they could, yeah, like you said, travel the world. They'd sold out to I think at the time, yeah. they were roughly around 50, 60. Some of them died off and, now, but, yeah, they, some of them are still alive. But I think, like, Ochoa was his first name. Something Ochoa is still alive. But, unfortunately, Ibrahim already passed away. But Yeah, there was, I was reading up on it today and on... I can't remember what track it is or if it's the whole album. It might just be a specific track, but there's a 13-year-old playing timbales on it. And I thought that was really rad. I don't even I wasn't even aware of that. No, here, I'll look I'll look it up and send it to you guys like the little snippet I saw, but it was I think it was just a specific song on there where the timbales are just ripping and it's a 13-year-old kid just blazing it up, just like going I was like, "Damn, Tito Puente, chill out." Like Yeah. No, yeah, they're they were they were like seventy, dude, like seventy years old, like still touring and like doing sold out shows in New York. Like it was, it's insane that like they got this much exposure. And even afterwards, like Ibrahim Fered, like he still he put out an album. Um, it was also really successful. yeah, he has his solo stuff on. Yeah, a, a lot of them like did their own like stuff afterwards. Of course, you know, unfortunately, they did end up like passing away a couple years ago some of them yeah. but the fact that like even to them being at that point in their life where they're like hey let's all get together and make music like it goes to show like it really is no boundaries like if you put yourself in the mindset that like you want to do it it's never too late you know just try it out give it a shot you know who knows you might be the next when i reach the social club it may be like one of the best things that like comes up in the last couple decades because this really put it especially in like north america and u.s it really like put spotlight on like spanish and latin music um, diversity it really really showed people diversity yeah because they loved it like everybody loved it they loved this band that where they were doing sold out shows like in the biggest venues in us and all over the world um so that's what's like so crazy about this album and this group that it's like 
a conjoined group of like just these Cubans and from different people that they just all came together and did something that really was like once in a lifetime and like just out of the out of this world like something insane that who knows if we'll see it again you know like who knows if we're gonna see another group like as prominent yeah and like being so old in their prime yeah yeah i think that what hit really too and i kind of talked about it but i think it's just like the fact that it was just all positive like everything that like they're the way that they carried themselves like even them being older they're just they had no like like negativity to like with them they were just happy <laughs> and i think a lot of people liked seeing that and wanted to be a part of that and i think that's also what made them very big is that they were just happy like that dude uh ibrahim like you have you look at pictures of him or like videos of him and he's just he's being chill <laughs> like he's just so happy you know uh, and then especially at that time in the 90s it was very like a t- turbulent time right um and yeah throughout all the the pain and in, in different types of music that was happening which was very relatable there was this one group that came out of fucking nowhere that was just all happy and all like good vibes and 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 just playing just playing for the for the fuck of it you know it's like they had no motivation to get rich they were just like we're we're coming together to play that's what we're doing you know uh and yeah like you said Jacob, who knows when we're gonna see that because i mean usually now it's just with the motivation of you know i'm trying to get this money i could do this music stuff but i'm trying to get money but that's not really where like the real passion comes from exactly uh, yeah it was like even at the time like some some of these musicians because they had been years since they had played and like been in the band some of them they thought they were dead like even before they grouped up together they thought they had passed away or they had gone missing or something had happened to them but the fact that they all came together and did this yeah it was insane what would you have to say about it dorian uh yeah the just the influence that i can only imagine it had at the time and like georgie kind of alluded to it earlier the and this really just speaks volumes about the quality of the music and the just the talent behind it uh i don't know my ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to spanish like i can i can have like very basic like greetings and then i can talk shit and that's about it me either dude to be honest but but like i'm sitting here trying to like say these song titles and hoping i don't botch them but i'm listening to the music and i'm like i can i can tell like oh this is a sad song or you know like this is like uh like not necessarily a sad song but what is it called there was a song i really liked uh and the dude's voice was it las gardenias no uh orgola seria oh yeah that song his voice sounds different like his you know it was he had a kind of a higher voice and you know on some of the songs uh I'll go on this side tangent actually real quick. I love the I love the vocals on this because it's 
very it's very clear he's a very talented singer and then there's times where you can hear the desperation in his voice and that's how i knew like like on de camino he has sometimes where he's just oh, I don't, like just screaming and i'm like that's like i told jacob on thursday i was like dude i was listening to that album and i almost i almost cried on the way to work dude i was like i could just tell that there was so much emotion yeah. just being pushed out and i was like damn like that if you watch that documentary, you will cry, dude. When I watched it, I cried. That's not even like five minutes. In. You said it's on I'm YouTube. I'm like crying watching it. I think. Uh, so. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay. But they don't have any subtitles and stuff. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. But anyway, I think if you watch it on a computer, you could. Probably. But, but uh, anyway, it's just that really speaks volumes about the music itself and everything is that like someone like me who doesn't know spanish all that well like honestly the only thing that i picked up like there was a couple things but today when i listened to it what stood out was i they were saying see camera and i was like okay like (laughs) and i was like okay i kind of get what i kind of get what's going on (laughs) yeah basically and uh but yeah i was thinking i was like I, I drove to the store and I was already listening to it at my house. And so I put it on and I was like in the last half of the album and I drove to the grocery store and I was literally pulling out of the grocery store parking lot after I shopped and was driving away. And I was like, it's like, I have three hours before I have to talk about this album and I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to be able to have like a reasonable conversation about it or have anything that isn't, like i don't know i had i was kind of like doubting myself for some reason i was like i don't know what the hell they're saying basically but i was like i wonder how i'm gonna be able to like get across that i like this album because i don't know what the hell they're saying basically but it's i mean you know instruments and you could feel it i mean you were a teacher and you could you picked up different instruments i feel like you could you could understand it yeah and that's what that's why i was like mentioned the vocals because that's a huge part of it like the instrumentation you know i i studied uh I did like a whole essay on Tito Puente. Uh, a, a he was. I think he actually might. Shit, he might be from Cuba. Uh, I can't. Uh, but he was a timbale player, and he did. You know, oh yeah, como va? That was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Tito oh, Puente yeah. wrote that song. <laughs> Tito wrote yeah, that yeah, song, yeah. and so I did a whole essay on him. So I listened to a ton of music like this, and I've always, always loved it. So that's why I was like, okay, even though. I may not understand fully what they're saying. I can kind of get the gist. And also that's the beautiful thing about music. And I've read the, this is actually quoted in the article I read about this album is that there were some people from the U S that spoke mainly English and they would communicate through an interpreter. But one of the guys uh, from Cuba that they interviewed, they said, yeah, but musicians communicate in other ways. So the interpreter wasn't really needed when we were in the studio and I was like, that is because as, oh. <laughs> like literally yeah. because I've I've jammed with a bunch of different people and it's like you know I might get along with these people for different reasons you know because you know how you have different friends for that you get along that you guys like bond yeah, different yeah. shit and that that was the thing was like oh I know that this guy's into this so playing like you know you play music different ways when you're with different people and you sometimes you don't have to say hey I'm gonna do this you just say hey play that like go for it and i'm gonna match something and that I'll rip off of that exactly yeah. and so i could just imagine to be a fly on the wall in that studio when all of that was going down i would have loved to just see how they just bounced ideas on each other because that would have just been 
my god and when I'm you like if you watch, watch that the documentary, documentary dude, i'm going to <laughs> like well they show the studio that so the guy uh, i forget the dude's name god but he when the dude went over there to go uh like get all these like round up all these like uh, musicians there was a guy with them and he filmed everything and they have he has footage and it's shown in this documentary of them literally recording the album in this little room well it wasn't that little it was actually kind of big but they have he has footage of of them literally making history and it's it's so mind-blowing uh, and one of the songs, um, I checked out, um, did it make the cut for uh, Buena Vista Social Club album, which upset me a lot, <laughs> but uh, what's it called? Uh, I think it's uh, Silencio. It made their live album, but it didn't make the actual album or the 25th anniversary album called Silencio. And it has another vocalist that also like sang for them, uh, forget her name. Uh, but in the documentary, and this is the last thing I want to say about this, because I, I could keep ranting about this forever. But in the documentary, they have two mics set literally like a foot from each other. And it's her and Ibrahim looking each other in the eye and singing to each other while the band is in the back playing and dude oh my god dude it's so it's so emotional dude you watch that and you're like damn dude and like there is a couple of parts where like he's singing to her and she's kind of she's actually she like nods and like she starts singing and he's like listening to her and like looking at her in a very deep way where it wasn't even acting like it was like yeah real like like i'm listening to what you're saying and then let me let me sing to you after and like he's just listening and he's like and then he starts singing and it's like it's amazing like i that's like a way of recording that i haven't heard of other people doing that ever and like that's really like special like i yeah i'm almost no. speechless <laughs> no that yeah for real dude that's Holy crap, like Jesus, I would have watched this documentary like right now. Like you guys are selling Dude, it so like, well. Like that's that part is incredible. probably like I remember it was probably like within the 30 minutes. I have to, okay. I have to watch it. Pretty so. close. It's cool. I like that documentary how like you could see them like walking around in Cuba and mm -hmm. they're like walking on the streets like Ibrahim Ferrer. Yeah, yeah. And they're like still singing in the street. And like the like the locals they're also singing along like to the song like they know what song they're singing like it's oh yeah it's it's really cool it's a cool documentary i definitely look into it if you haven't it's just the energy that you get off of it um it's, it's pretty special it's, it really is wasn't one of them like without saying anything just singing a song and he like went up to people and then they would start singing along too mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah dude it's that documentary is crazy, dude. That's wild. All right. Uh, shall we take another break? Cool, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, Buena Vista Social Club, banger of an album. But let's talk about Dorian's album. I know Dorian's album, 
I had some time to sit with me also. It sat with me pretty good, and it brought me back to the rock days. The rock days. So what you got, Dorian? All right, so I picked uh, Enema by Tool. Uh, kind of, I mean, Buena Vista Social Club held a special place in y'all's hearts and uh, jazz abroad for you, George. Uh, this is an album that I, it, it, it holds a very special place in my heart. I uh, came out, oddly enough, and this, I don't know if you believe in like weird coincidences and shit like that. This album came out a month to the day before I was born. Uh, and oh shit. yeah. And it, uh, yeah. So it came out September 17th, uh, 96. It, uh, was their second full album. Their first one with their new bassist, Justin Chancellor, who has been with the band since, uh, it has a lot of Bill Hicks, uh, the comedian has a lot of, uh, homages to him and references, uh, there is so much that I do have to say about it. Um, just trying to figure out how to get there organically. But uh, Jacob, what did you think about it? I'll try to fit in my. I'll I'll go on my tangent here in a minute. Yeah. No. I, I like this. I really like this. This is. I feel like this is one of those albums and one of those artists that we talked about this before, Doran. That it's like. It's one of those like artists that you have to respect especially for the album like you have to give homage to it like this is one of those tool albums that it's it like stood the test of time and it's like a classic at this point like a classic rock album um i used to listen to a lot of rock um i still do don't get me wrong but i used to listen to it a lot more and tool this this album a lot um i listened to this album i listened to a lot of lateralis um Great album also. So yeah, this album, it brought me back to those days. Like I was like, oh man, like listen to a lot of, you know, like Coheed and Cambria those days, the Under Oath days. Like it brought me back to that special place where like rock music, I was like, I have a, I have a profound respect for rock music. Um, and I was listening to this album a lot when I was like working out. Because when I'm working out, that's when I listen to kind of a lot of different stuff. I listen to a lot of instrumentals. Yeah. And a lot of... uh, Just to tie into that real quick, sorry to interject, but you mentioned working out. My freshman year of uh, high school football, there was a senior on the football team who I like worked at the restaurant I worked at with. And he was a huge Tool fan, and the seniors got to control the music. So we would be warming up to fucking three different, like, there would be three different songs off this album. There would be, like, a bunch of Lateralis and then, like, Pantera. But it was, like, very Tool heavy, and I was just sitting there as a freshman, like, mm-hmm. jamming out with the seniors and stuff. <laughs> and then uh, when sophomore, like, my sophomore year came around, I knew the guy that was, like, running the music. And I was like, hey, can you throw on, like, a Tool, or tool song or two for me? And he was like, hell yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. But anyway, continue on. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fucking sick, dude, that you got exposed to it, like, so early. Because me, too, like, around that era when I was, like, younger, I'd listen to rock music. Um, and a lot of a lot of songs on this album, bangers, dude, like Stink Fist, the first song on this album. I love that song. Great song. 46 and 2, that's, like, 
that's one of their like more renowned and like you know like well-known songs <clears throat> but like yeah the, the guitar riff into it um just like the vocals on everything yeah it's it's a great album um i loved it but yeah there's a lot to talk about it what what would you get off of it george what'd you think um so the like so like rock for me was just really the stuff that i heard on the radio uh my older like most of them the music that i get is from my brother jared um and jared was definitely like into rock but i didn't really like like dive into it as much like i didn't really care like i cared more about like rap or whatever um but whenever he wasn't playing anything and you know uh my brother Errol was like listening to the radio station and you know going to school like nirvana or something would play like play and then i'd be like i'd be in the back seat like i like this song <laughs> like um and tool like i don't know much about tool at all to be honest like i'm sure there's songs that played on the radio that i've heard that i know but that don't know the name it's just kind of like in passing type of thing um but when i listen to this album and correct me if i'm wrong i'm sure you might want to like throw your phone at me or something when i say this but his voice kind of reminds me of like incubus for some reason a little bit um but uh yeah this album is like it is long but it's something you want to like soak in like it's not something it's not so intense where like i want to like listen to this when i'm biking um but i listened to it last night again uh and i was like playing like a racing game like an arcade racing game and i was listening to it and when i first heard like eulogy i was like oh this is this is good you know but then when that song came on when i was when i was playing video games it hit way different i don't know why it just hit differently and i was just like damn i'm like all right this is sick um and then yeah uh 46 and two um i like that one too that one really stood out to me uh but i think eulogy definitely was like the that took the cake for me like that one was the song that i liked the most and uh earlier today when i was just kind of messing around with my bike um I was listening to eulogy and i'm like this is kind of what i want to play when i'm working on something <laughs> like because it's like it's chill but it's also like like not dark but it's kind of like a little aggressive but it's like chill you know it's like a chill like rock song and it's like long enough to where you could appreciate the whole like thing you know yeah and and eulogy specifically is a song that i that i love i i fucking love that song and it is mellow at the beginning of it and i love the vocal filter that they did where it's the megaphone he does that a lot maynard james keenan the vocalist for tool does that effect a lot on his voice where it sounds like he's talking through like a pa system and he's like and then it turns it's like mellow like that and then by the end of it he's like screaming about 
get off your fucking cross <laughs> and then the guitar solo like just kicks in and i'm like dude this song like that's the one thing is like we've talked a lot about acquired taste on this on this program and uh so like we talked about mad villain being a more acquired taste uh we just talked about jazz abroad being a very you know jazz in general being an acquired taste tool is like that too because they have they are such they're so fucking talented but they have just such long songs like the the end song on this album third eye is almost 12 minutes long alone yeah but yeah eulogy i i totally agree it's like it's got it is a kind of a more mellow feel and theme to it for the most part. But then at the end, it really just starts kicking ass. And that's, yeah, it's it's such a good song, dude. I, I really like eulogy like that to me. So like what Pogo stick is for the whole album, like Pogo stick is like the song that speaks for that album to me. Jazz brought up eulogy to me speaks for the whole album for me, for Tool might be different to you but for me like i listen to that and i'm like damn like i equate eulogy from that tool album to last call on kanye west college dropout it's a long <laughs> song but it's like it's yeah it's like a it's a whole like they have a song and then he explains shit eulogy is almost the same way and i'm just like dude i mean it's in the name <laughs> like right yeah i just i'm definitely like i've heard of tool through i'm a fan of comedy and like bobby lee he talks about tool a lot and i'm like oh, i should check out tool but i never had uh until you brought this album up and then i was like, thankfully you did because now whenever i'm like working on something i'm definitely gonna play eulogy a hundred percent uh that that song is so badass honestly it was it was pretty cool. Like I I listen to music, like I said, a lot at the gym, um, and I, this song came on, and I was like in between my set, and I was like vibing with it, and I was like, oh shit, this is a good song. And then I look at the title, and it's fucking um, oh my god, hooker with a penis. <laughs> That's one yeah, of their I best. I almost think that song, dude. Dude, that is one of the best songs on the whole album. Yeah, dude, that song is so good. But I like, I'm like in between that, and I put my, I put the bass down, and I'm like, dang, what song is this? This, this song on this album is fucking good. And I see the uh, the track, dude. I just like start laughing. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. What game is this? But it's like, it's so good though. <laughs> That's what I like, like about an artist like that. They could be like funny, like in their lyrics and like their songs and their like album titles. That like it brings humor to it, like. Uh, but it's actually it's still like seriously, it's a fucking banger, dude. Yeah. And uh, in to mention something about that song in particular, uh, one of that's actually oddly enough, you both know my girlfriend Isabel. That's her favorite song off of the album. That's her favorite song <laughs> off of this album. And uh, for good reason. But yeah. it's another, it's one of those th- songs where it means, it actually means something. It just has a hilarious title. And uh, at the end of it, he is, Maynard is, sing- is like just getting into it. And he's like, uh, buy my new record and fuck you, buddy. Like, and that's the end of the song is he's like, 
just screaming buy my new record and then he's like fuck yeah. you buddy <laughs> like yeah it's because it's all about uh if you look into it it's a story about a dude's uh coming up to tool on tour and saying that they sold out and it's like uh before you point your finger you should know that i'm the fucking man like <laughs> like it's just so pay your respects bro <laughs> yeah it's like it's such a good song like in this album in general uh do you guys have anything any other points to make real quick before i go tangenting real quick i did uh so what it, i think it's uh intermission and message to harry Manback. i so i thought these were like very short little like songs that were very interesting to me uh because they sounded very good but yeah they're just like little like in between songs to kind of give you because it is a long album and i definitely feel like they had they purposely placed these songs in, in at certain points to kind of give you like a a break like if you're listening to it from front to back those little like songs are just kind of like all right here's a break listen to this you yeah. know and i feel like those stood out to me like really well uh but yeah, dude, I I definitely I don't want to say I'm a Tool fan, but I'm definitely going to listen to more of their stuff and dive into it for sure. Oh yeah. Um and speaking on one of the songs, like to mention something real quick, if you notice all of these little interlude like almost instrumental tracks are right before yeah. a long song. Like uh for example, Dyer von Satten is right before Push It, which is an over nine minute long song. And a fun little fact about Dyer von Satten, it sounds very like it's a German chant and it's like super industrial and it sounds like he's saying some crazy shit. He's just uh, reciting the recipe for a cannabis edible <laughs> over just an intense ass <laughs> track. Oh yeah. Hey. yeah. It's like a. And, Dyer von Satten translates because of Iyer, the there's a weird translation. It has a double entendre. Dyer, E-I-E-R, in German, has a weird double entendre to it. So it could either mean eggs or balls. And so the translation is either the eggs of Satan or the balls of Satan. Oh, my God. And the eggs, the eggs meaning is that the recipe he's reciting is his mother's brown, like cookie recipe that didn't have eggs. And he substituted the eggs with uh, cannabis. <laughs> that's actually some really smart shit to do. Like yeah. that's that's a level of creativity that goes beyond just your recording and more into like the album to where like because a lot of people like just put out an album and that's it, right? Yeah. Like, there's people who put out an album with like a whole motive behind it, and that has like the whole each song and everything and including the the album cover art kind of creates a whole story um yeah and uh for the track list at least and the whole double entendre shit like whoever came who was the lead singer of tool uh maynard james keenan okay did he come up with that idea or like like how did that I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly. Probably a collective how, thing. Or 
no, I think it. So the guy who's reciting the during that little interlude, the guy who's talking and like, like he's a war general is. Uh, <laughs> I think he's like the bassist for like another band or something. I, I was literally oh, okay, reading it okay. this morning. That's why it's still fresh in the old noggin. Uh, but yeah, it's like the bassist or something for another band who was German, and it was actually his mother's recipe, and then. I think Maynard probably like came up with the name for the song and all that stuff. But what I was going to say, because you mentioned intermission, this is something like I've listened to this album for years. Like I've, I've been listening to tools since I was like, hell eight years old. Uh, and <laughs> like I wrote, I wrote a whole ass report about one of their albums, 10,000 days. I wrote a whole essay about it. Um, but this album in particular i've been listening to for a long time i had never noticed this until about shoot five four days ago i'm listening to it and intermission came on and if you guys remember it's like that very circusy organ sound and yeah. uh it's got the like at the beginning and then it's got this run that it does where it's like and then after it does that like the second or third time jimmy starts which is right after it and the song starts out with a and then maynard starts singing and it's the same run just slowed down and he's like, da, 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 da. like, it blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, they're foreshadow, they're foreshadowing the absolute hell out of Jimmy. Because I heard it, because Jimmy's one of my favorite songs off of the album. It's easily top three for me. And so I listened to it so much that I knew, like, the way it sounded in my head. Like, I could, you know, that's one, that's a song that I'll sing in my head while I'm doing something. And... I noted I was listening to intermission and actually listening, listening to it. And I was like, what the hell? I was oh, like, shit. We got yeah, a, oh, I was, shit moment. <laughs> I did. Yeah. The light bulb went off and everything. I was like, oh my God. Like, how did they come up with that? Because yeah. it literally foreshadows it. Like if you, like I suggest, like after we all log off and everything, just play those two songs real quick and you'll know exactly what I'm talking I about. Now that You know, it, it's a, uh, it's incredible how they do that. And this album in particular has some of Maynard's best like screams on it. Like on H he talks about like, uh, he has a run. He's like talking about heading back home and he just, that last home he hits, he's like, Oh, and it just, it's like a 20, almost a 15 to 20 second scream that he's just doing <laughs> the dude just unloads. He just has so many good, just deep, like guttural screams that just add the emotion. And then as he hits some of these like long yell screams, the band is just, which is, it's like, it's a beautifully written album, beautifully produced, like crap, like top to bottom. Uh, it's one of my Desert Island albums, for sure. Like, if I'm ever trapped and I only have three albums to listen to, this is one of the three, you know? And, I think uh, creatively, like, so there's people who just make, like, song for song that are very creative, but, like, when you, like, 
there's album and like a lot of people will will get mad at me for saying this when i call an album a project but like to me like when i call an album a project is when all of these songs tie into each other and have like a deeper meaning than just like the face value shit you know like this album like you're talking about like everything like like the foreshadowing and everything like it, it was all like designed that way for listeners like you who picked up on it i didn't but you had you did because you've been listening to them for a while but i feel like you know there, it just it goes beyond that and i think that's when creativity really you could um like praise it and really like applaud uh an artist or a band's work uh, behind what they're doing uh, which is mind blow <laughs> yeah. it's all for the fans it's all for the fans to appreciate too yeah and it's they're all so insanely talented that and i was listening to it and like even down to the minute details such as like guitar sound and guitar tone adam jones their guitarist and justin chancellor their bassist like i used to when i was really heavy into playing bass like i don't have a bass guitar anymore but when i was heavy into playing it i wanted and i've i'm such a huge tool fan i was like let me learn a shit ton of tool songs and like i would look at a bunch of different like bass guitar forums and it, people would say what's like a good band to get into that's very bass heavy and tool was always like one of the three bands mentioned and adam you could Jones, add a bin in there now <laughs> exactly but it's yeah it's wild to me that every all four of them are so deeply talented in their instrument and sound so unique danny carey's the best drummer living right now like after neil pert died he definitely took that spot over he's always been my personal favorite drummer and one of my favorite things about him that makes him so unique is the fact that he plays with the snare drum so i'm not sure if you guys are familiar but snare drums they have a switch that turns the snares on or off snare on is when you get that that's typical danny carey plays all like almost all of the songs with the snares turned off and that's how he gets that just massive sounding tribal ass drum tone that and he also does like hand drum drills he like these technique warm-up drills he does those with his feet for his to improve his double bass drum style the guy's an absolute monster and this album proves it a lot like uh third eye and uh enema just insane tracks where he's just absolutely destroying it uh but i have one last thing to say about this that i think you guys will really a little backstory to it and then i'll shut up about it uh the track (laughs) you're good dude the track enema which is like the third to last song uh and i love when an album buries the title track like if the if the track if the album has a song that's named the same as the album i love when it's put toward the bottom just like buena vista social club listen to the whole thing (laughs) yeah and and i was gonna mention this about buena vista social club they did that and i was like oh okay and that's one of the that's another that song is badass. That's another. That's one of the. That's one of the better songs on the album, in my opinion. And I was like, I love that. And Enema is the same way. It's one of the better songs on the album, and it's third from the bottom. And it's a reference 
to the Bill Hicks, like Bill Hicks did a bit in one of his standups talking about uh, how California, because of the San Andreas fault, was eventually just going to fall away, giving Arizona a bay, like a, an ocean view, basically. And so yeah, yeah. the hook of the song talks about learn to swim, see you down in Arizona Bay. And it's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it, Damn, that's crazy. It's so clever. And uh, he's, it's an homage, or it's just like telling about. Uh, like the core like the build up to the chorus like the pre-chorus it's like see you in this fucking hole we call la and then talking about <laughs> don't you just want to flush it all away and then the interlude to the song he's like uh i'm praying for rain i'm praying for tidal waves i want to see the ground give way i want to watch it all go running down talking about how he just is like so overall like the fake like Hollywood, like California, like everything, yeah. like California is just like, so has just a bunch of BS in it. And he's like, I want to watch it all go running down. Like mom, please flush it. Flush it all is almost fucking breaking apart. So exactly. <laughs> and so it's just so insane that he's just literally the whole song. He's just talking about like, just make it fall away. And it's like actually factual because that's an actual like geological literally, concern yeah. is that, san andreas fault will make california split away it's it's hilariously been a worry for years too exactly it wasn't even like a throw throw away i hate the world it was like no dude i really wish this part of like the world like the san andreas fault was like fall apart because fuck hollywood yeah (laughs) it was it that's funny Dude, and that's what the whole song is. And it's so good. Like, oh my God. I love it. I love it. And uh Third Eye, the last the last song on the album, it's literally almost twelve minutes long, but it's so incredible. You know, Maynard or they have a Bill Hicks like sample in it where it's like uh, if you don't like drugs, go ahead, go home, burn all your tapes, burn all your albums, burn all your CDs, because the musicians that made all the music that you've loved throughout the years were real fucking high on drugs. And then it starts off talking about like and <laughs> Maynard at the end is just screaming, uh, prying open my third eye. It's just the I could go on and on. I could literally talk for. 12 minutes a piece for each of these songs on this album but it the how everything just goes together and then like push it especially that's a nine minute just adventure of a song really just push it a lot (laughs) it takes you for a ride push it a lot i will uh i'll send you guys a link to a song they did just after this they did like release or they released like a side Single? like ep uh called uh, salable and there was some or i don't know if it was like someone on the internet released it but there's a release they have called salable and there's a live version version of push it that's like stripped down oh, shit. it's like not as intense and it's like super stripped down and whew, i get chills just talking about it i'll, I'll send it to you guys yeah, like, dude i'm excited i want to like listen it. like like tonight when it gets dark and you're like chilling out, like just listen to I'm it. I won't be outside smoking, so that's like the best. <laughs> yeah, it is incredible that that, run, that like kind of stripped down version. But yeah, I will go ahead and stop there with Tool as far as I go. You're good.
Uh, All right, shall we introduce next week's albums? A long ass down. But yeah. All right. George, since you were the first album we talked about, you get to go first, and then Jacob, and then myself. What do you got for us next week, George? Behold a Dark Horse by Rock Marciano. Ooh. Nice. Nice. That's another one of the albums like Illmatic and El Camino that are like front to back. I'm not going to skip a song. Hell yeah. This album. That's a good one. I'll save the rest for for next week, but dude. Hell yeah. I love that album. Fuck yeah. I actually have not heard that whole album, but I'm fucking ready. My my album. Great. It has to come up. One of us had to do it. <laughs> Let's go. Holy James. The Alchemist. Price of Teen in China. Doing it next week. Oh yes. If it ain't Baldy. It ain't Baldy. It ain't Baldy. <laughs> Alrighty. And kind of in the same vein one of us had to bring it up and i knew it was going to be me and so jacob was hot on my trail with what i was going to pick so i switched it yeah <laughs> we've got good kid mad city by kendrick lamar Damn, his one. his debut album uh yeah. it's full it's full title is good kid mad city a short film by kendrick lamar and short film is probably the best way to describe this album uh oh. man we've got Next some week, uh, pod is gonna be bangers dude <laughs> we got three bangers we got some rock marciano we one of us finally did boldy we got some kenny probably <laughs> the most we've talked a lot about a certain we've talked a lot about to pimp a butterfly I would have done that if I had a physical, but I honestly have a deep, deep appreciation for this album, and I've got a lot of. Shit I would have picked that over over Pimple Butterfly too, to be honest. Yeah, I have this, and damn, I have to get T Pad to complete the three. Section eighty is really good too. Dude, yeah, dude. Section eighty, but anyways, thank you, George. Thank you, Jacob. This has been episode four of What You Spinning. I'm Dorian, and we will see you next week. Hey, yeah. My name is George, Discante Warrior. Nebs, look at Nebs. And then there's <laughs> Nebula. Alrighty. We will see you next week. All right.